Uh, hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Hey! About time we got rolling on this uh, intro. Yes. Uh, this is a bit of a bittersweet episode. It is a little bittersweet. We just, we just, you know, three weeks ago we had our 250th, which was epic. Epic. But, of course, this is the last podcast to be recorded at Converse Rubber Tracks Studio. It's true. All things must come to an end. Yes. And Rubber Tracks came to an end a while ago. Well, a couple months ago. A couple months ago. We don't have to let people know that we're, like, <laughs> releasing these so late. <laughs> Really a long time. You're ago. overly honest with your fans, I know, Jonah. I, know. I mean, maybe that's your charm. Yeah, but you know, you got to hold a little back. You're right. Anyway, Keep some secrets. That's true. Uh, today in the podcast, we had uh, a group that we've been trying to book for a really long time. Uh, Silverstein. We had uh, their bass player Billy Hamilton and singer Shane Told. And uh, Shane has his own podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and Silverstein. You know, they're actually, if you're listening to this now, next month they're going to be um, on tour in uh, Mexico, Colombia, Peru, South America, and then starting up in mid-June, they will be on the Warp Tour all summer long. The entire Warp Tour. They will be on the Warp Tour from That's impressive. June 16th in Seattle until, uh, well, there's some shows actually in Europe in uh, October, but yeah, and it ends August 6th in Pomona. That's so, yeah, impressive. Whole tour. I've done the whole tour a couple times. It's, it's no joke. I don't think I could do the whole tour <laughs> as a 37-year-old. <laughs> I did as a 22-year-old. Um, I mean, but were you on a bus the whole time? Yeah. That but helps. But. It helped, but I was on a sponsor bus. Uh, I mean, you can't do it if you're not on a bus, no matter I what was age on a bus you are. With, I was on a bus with 22 people. So you're on a bus, but it's like... There's so many fucking people. <laughs> like both of the lounges, every bunk, everything. Wait, but how over. many bunks were there? There were like 22. Really? Yeah, because there was like, there were like 12 in the main area and then the back lounge, you could turn the couch and all that uh, shit into bunks. You could have like six in the back and then the front, you could pull ones down, turn the couches into bunks. Holy shit. There's like every shit. spare, you know, there's one bathroom. Yeah, that's like, really, yeah, that's it was gross, intense. Jonah. Uh, it was good being in the lounges, like the back lounge especially. I was in the back lounge a couple times and you kind of had your own private You could at least close the door and like have your own room with like just three or four other people. <laughs> That's not, that doesn't count. Because <laughs> if you're in the middle area, then you, there's no, like you're just in your bunk. Yeah, right. And it's like, I mean, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm sure Silverstein is not riding on a bus with 22 people. I'm sure they have their own bus. <laughs> yeah. And they'll be much more comfortable. Still, though, it is. It's rough, man. It's no joke. It's no joke. Because you got to do all your sleeping on the bus when you're doing those tours. Yeah. Although I find it very easy to sleep on those buses. Yeah. As soon as it starts moving, I'm just out. Yeah. You got, it's it's it's, a, it's an acquired. You have to acquire that skill quickly. I did do one one summer. My band did some shows on the Warped Tour while I was working on it, and we would play, and then they would be like. Oh man, we got to drive like 10 hours. I'd be like, cool, I'm going to go to this barbecue, get drunk, fall asleep <laughs> on my bus, and I'll see you guys in the morning, the next time. Yeah, you definitely suck. Yep, I definitely suck. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, but yeah, Silverstein, they've been a band a long time. I mean, uh, their latest album, I Am Alive and Everything I Touch, came out on Rise 2015. Um, their first album came out in 2003. So these dudes have been at it for a while, um, been friends with them for a long time. 
they both love the Canadian screamo band Grade, one of my favorite bands. So that's kind of how I bonded with these guys. And uh, yeah, I'm happy they could finally come by, um, especially because Shane has a podcast. So uh, we talked about his podcast. I'm just going to let you guys listen to it. Why not? Why not, right? Sure. Okay, let's get into this uh, going off track with Silverstein now. Oh, right. So the Indians are good now. Yeah. Indians are good. They're they're probably going to go to the World Series. It's three really? three games to one against Toronto. Okay. It's got the hat. And, yeah, and, uh, I prefer to call them the Cleveland baseball team. Yeah. <laughs> our, actually, our radio announcer in Toronto... Refuses. Refuses to call them the Indians, and he hasn't called them the Indians in over 15 years. Really? Yeah. And he, he won't talk about the other native teams, like the Braves or, or um, Redskins. He won't say it. What is this? How this do you? The t- the city, he yeah. just says the city. He finds a way. He's like he's really, really good. That's pretty, pretty cool, actually. Yeah, and but he doesn't. He's not like overly political. Like he's not trying to make some statement where he's talking about that he doesn't talk about it. He just doesn't. Yeah, and that's it. Well, what's that thing on that like propaganda record where that coach is talking about some like Canadian team? Oh, the talking- co- coach's corner. Yeah, yeah. So that's oh. Don Cherry. Okay, and Ron, Dear McClain. Ron McClain. And the, and the song is like directed at Ron McClain about like what a buffoon Don Cherry is. Okay. Because uh. I was just like, I don't know who any of these people are. I was and like, it, this song rocks, but I have no idea what about, they're talking about. I guess about. they had a um, uh, before a hockey game. There was like a big like kind of support the troops like um, ceremony, and Chris Hanna's like niece was like, "What's going on? Like, why are there like why are there guns in a hockey rink?" Or something and and uh he had to like explain it to her and then they took this sample of him saying like you know don cherry being like he's always super political and okay. he's like oh yeah you know we gotta but like give right it up. wing yeah right, political. right right give it up for the good guys you gotta support the troops and all this stuff like yeah uh. like there's times when like when the afghanistan shit was all happening where you know he comes in after the first period to talk about hockey and they usually play clips from other hockey games and they talk about the clips, right? Okay. And it's like the highest rated thing in Canada. Everyone watches it between like on Saturday nights during a hockey game. And sometimes he just like during the, when Afghanistan shit was happening, the entire segment would just him talking about a Canadian soldier that died and crying about it. And it was so like weird. That is wild. Yeah. I can't believe they just, let him do that. Yeah, too. It's, he's like. I mean, he's like in his eighties now. That guy. So is he still do it? Yeah. It's wild. I just learned the Indians are doing good this year, Benny. Oh, you just learned <laughs> this. <Yeah. laughs> the worst Clevelandite ever. Do yeah. you know the Cavs won the title last year? I did year? know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know yeah. the Drew Carey show was? Yes, took, took place there. With that. Oh, okay. Um, you bad, guys, bad Brains uh, nominated for the Rock Hall? I heard about that. <laughs> I thought you were about to say Bad Brains were from Cleveland. No. Like, well, you're a music fan. <laughs> I don't know why you would think that. Uh, here's, here, here's how I feel about the Bad Brains thing. It's like, do I hope they get in? Sure. But like, it just, I don't care. Yeah. Like, it just, to me, it's just like this made up thing. Can it's someone like, explain to me what's happening? I'm not good ba- bad at following gossip. got nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. They did. Yeah. Hmm. Which I think is cool, but I also think like does anyone i don't know i feel like if you're in bad you're like yeah i was in bad brains like right i don't what other punk bands are in the rock hollow yeah that's like the remote like, clash are maybe 
The Clash. Well, I don't know if the Clash are Sex Pistols, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, like Ramones, like stuff like that. No, like bands bordering on hardcore, though. Like Like Black Flag's not. No. I don't think so. But then we should be if Bad Brains is. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. What doors does that open and is that a good thing? And how many many, retroactive nominations need to happen? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you open the door to Bad Brains, I think you start looking into Minor Threat. I think you start looking into Today. Can you imagine Minor Threat? The rock hall. Ian McKay being inaugurated in. When we did we did a podcast with Greg Graffin a couple weeks ago and we were talking about Brian Baker and he was like, You should ask him if he's talked to Ian lately. (laughs) I was like, Yeah, and he's like, No, he hates that. (laughs) Wow. Not not cool. I think he's just sick of people people asking about minor threat. Like like, dude, I was in Spain like thirty years ago for like two (laughs) years. It's true. And most of the people who ask are probably like straight edge kids. Yeah. 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 Speaking Um, of straight edge. When you fell off the wagon, yeah. Billy, you fell hard. Uh, I'd say that there's a difference in falling hard. Like, I know a lot of straight-edge kids. He like, hasn't I was, put any needles in his vein or I nothing. Was, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was straight-edge for, like, 12 years, and I kind of grew up with, like, a crop of straight-edge kids that, like, yeah, that, like, stopped being straight-edge and, like, got into hard drugs. And I got, or just, like, got into, like, excessive partying. And I feel like I got into, like, n- like being like a craft beer nerd yeah or like well, that's what I was gonna bring up. you are kind of like a classy yeah. drinker in that regard but you got right. really into beer right yeah so what's like what's the best stuff out there right now oh there's too much man i think vermont vermont and like massachusetts is where all the good stuff's happening these days you like, like a real hoppy guy like an I IPA? Like hop- I, well I, I feel like the the kind of classic west coast really hoppy bitter ipa is kind of like that trend is kind of past and the more east coast style ipa is like more juicy and like less less bitter more balanced so vermont like um the like heady topper and like um hill farmstead and those kind of beers are my jam and like a lot of new stuff out of massachusetts like trillium and treehouse are like what people are freaking out about now nice and sour beers like i I love there's a lot of good belgian ones and then a lot of good american brews are making awesome sour how's the canadian beer scene it's behind yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. but when we do european tours we all fly home billy just will stay in belgium for a while and go to like churches on sundays and drink with strange families yeah (laughs) it's sounds fun it's fun yeah yeah, yeah. I, uh, but it's kind of just like collecting records or collecting stuff you know what I mean like you get into stuff in this c- subculture and it kind of translates like and touring you know like you find out about cool yeah, local, local restaurants and yeah. coffee shops and stuff it's the same thing with beer you know and it's the same thing with like wine and stuff where it's sure. like you know a local producer has like this specific terroir that is whatever you know i've seen sideways yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i would say also sort of collecting records seems like something you were so into for a long oh, yeah. time still that you am, yeah still am yeah. Yeah. yeah but i remember like a while ago you were like trying to sell something like i felt like i think I, you had like the craziest hot water music collection of all time i think i still have a pretty crazy collection yeah. but i think it just got to a point where i was like do i really need the like 26 27 28 29th copy of feel for the hate game you know right, like right, um, right and and you know i still have every like one copy of everything hot water music's ever put out i just am not buying the represses yeah. you know uh, and not buying records in the like, I'm not buying five or six copies every time the record's pressed. It starts getting a little ridiculous. It gets it excessive, starts, and yeah. you start getting obsessive oh. about it. Like right. I started getting like, I remember I was dating this girl, and I'd be like, I'm going for a run. This pre-order is going up. I'm going to be gone for an hour. Can you just like refresh this page every five minutes? And yeah. I was on like the vinyl collective board, yeah. and it like yeah. it stops being fun. It like yeah. starts like. 
And and even with our fans, like you know, we've been on different labels. Like Victory Records will do a repress of Discovering the Waterfront record, and all these kids that already bought every other repress, they're like, "Well, I got to get it on this color, right?" And all it is is a cash grab. Oh, yeah. for sure. Victory totally. Records, or I'm not even, I'm not throwing Victory under the bus. Like any label every that label does, does that, it, yeah. Probably, they're just yeah. doing it to make money. They're totally. not really doing it because, oh well. You know, there's this little bit of purple on the cover that would just go so complimentary with this color. Yeah, right. I mean, you I understand I mean? about I understand about keeping records in print, like especially for a band like us that's been around for so long, and we're like we're still a band, right? We're still out there playing those old songs and stuff. Like people want to be able to get the records. Like sure. having the records be out of print is one thing, but like sure. making a repress with like you know, like what No Idea started doing with the Hot Water records, where it's like, okay, well, we're gonna repress it, and there's gonna be like 500 different variants, yeah. and like there's 10 of this one and there's 15 of that one it's like it, it makes it not fun it's too much right like I, mm. I remember that's what happened with uh cards like sports cards yeah. when you're young yeah. like yeah. there's this huge thing where it got really popular and they made so many series and so many copies and so many of this totally diminished the value of all cards. Do you remember right. this? Yeah. There was one brand that would do this thing where they would like put like times 10 or times 100 like on the yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to be the worth like 10 or like 100 times oh, really? more. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. I, they, they did it with those like uh, like action figures too. Like Really? Those like uh, kind of Japanese like dunnies or whatever, like all those little toys. Okay. They would do, you'd get a card that said like this one's worth 100 times. This yeah, but it's like, like the golden ticket. Like, kind of, yeah. It would just yeah. like tell you what the value of or like the rarity of them is or whatever. That's so stupid. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like stupid. also like who are you just printing something on it? Like that yeah. isn't like Yeah, I'm the same. I, I and I don't know when it got under out of control. Like mm-hmm. like I I'm a big vinyl person myself and mm-hmm. I love collecting vinyl when I was a kid and I still collect vinyl and when mm-hmm. Gaslight started, I was really hardcore about like, yo, this number of this, this yep. number of this that's what we're doing. This is the press. And somehow through over the years and like many records, I've totally lost track. Gets away from you. Yeah. I have no idea. Like it totally got out of my hands. And all of a sudden I just see colors for records. I didn't even really fucking know we're coming out. Right, like yeah. even like that. And like, I don't know. It's annoying. Yeah. I'm and then always... I see, I see kids posting. Yeah. Like these awesome fans who like want to support you. Right. And I see like, 14 copies of like the same record and it's cool it looks awesome in a photo sure and then when you got like you know but then it's like oh aesthetically man aesthetically <laughs> very cool when you got them all laid out but yeah seeing the kind i feel of, bad it makes me feel guilty seeing what people had like the lengths that people go to yeah. to get these things like we've got this fan in like singapore that collects all of our stuff and it's like how do you even get that like shipping is insane yeah, yeah and like he I, like Granted, it, def- it definitely like brings the fans together because there's like a little community of our like vinyl collectors, and they'll try to get stuff for this guy. Like if it's something that's only released in like the U.S. and in, in cool. record stores, record store day, that kind of stuff, he gets all that stuff through connections with other fans, which is cool. I think it's something for that I've thought a lot about in the last few years. Like in the position that our band is, is like what what do our fans like want out of that kind of stuff, and like what do I as a fan want and what like how how can I like contribute to the fans experience that way like on this tour we're, we uh, tour press yeah we did we did a tour press and um for because like hopeless 
label we were on a couple of records ago we were like oh hey we're doing like a repress of these records like what do you think do you guys want like a hundred like special copies you can sell on tour and we were like sure and then I was like oh well I don't want to just make it like another color so like what's a way we can do to make the fans like actually care and like want to come out to the merch table and buy the buy the record and so yeah we got a bunch of like reclaimed like old record sleeves and had our friend that does all our screen printing like screen print our like record cover over top of like a Rolling Stones record or like cool. a, a Beatles record or something and uh, and then numbered them all and so yeah everyone's one of a kind but then too that goes back to the like well that's just another copy of this record that everybody has like 10 of and but at the same time like if someone's gonna buy it like what's gonna make it special that's not right. yeah, just the yeah. same as the copy that you have yeah the only thing is like the dude from Singapore it's like we have we have to make a choice do we save him a record and ship right. him one or right. is he gonna go on eBay and pay like God only knows for how sure. much for sure. just to keep his collection. Well, I mean, I think the Ugh. idea that you guys are even aware of this stuff yeah. and hands-on and conscious of it, like, lends itself to the kind of relationship you guys have with your fans and the way you present your band to begin with. I wanted to talk about that because I know you guys do a lot of, like, interactive stuff with the fans where they'll, you know, come onto the bus or yeah. you'll do, like... You know, you guys do a lot of like meet and greet type things before shows, right? Mm -hmm. Things like that. Like, is that something that um, you guys feel is like the obligation of any band to their fans? Or do you guys feel something specifically like you have a very special relationship with yours? I think it was all how it started when we first started touring, you know, and we were, we didn't come out and we weren't some like big cool band right away. Right. Like, you know, we, we were playing our first shows to like 20 30 kids and you chose a jewish last name is tough <laughs> tough self <laughs> it, anyways yeah <laughs> but when we we would play and we felt like we had to sell ourselves like we you know we weren't just going going backstage and drinking you know while our merch guy sold the merch like we felt like we had to go out and talk to the fans and say hey like thanks for coming you know and that just became habit where after every show we would go to the merch table and talk to people. And no matter, you know, how many years later it's been, 13, 14 years yep. since we've been on tour, um, we still do that. Every show we still go out, no matter how, you know, much bigger we've we've gotten or whatever. It's just something that we always did. Mm -hmm. Became habit. And I all if I play a show and I I feel like I need to do that because I've just done it every single show. Sure. Unless I was like really sick or something like that, or yeah. we had to we had to fly out or something. Sure. So that became a, such a habit um, that our we started having a close relationship. So I know whenever we're in whatever city, I'm going to see those same you know sure. twenty, thirty, forty people that have been coming and see us for you know more than a decade now. And when things got bigger for you, like did ever like going out there just start to feel like overwhelming? Like there's too many people. There's like I'm tired as fuck after the show. I know you're like, a, you yeah. get that feeling a little Sometimes, more than Sometimes, yeah, for sure. I mean, it can definitely be overwhelming. Um there's other times too where like sometimes like people don't like I know I personally like can go out there and people will like look at me and be like, are you in the band? I don't really know. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I know about but that one. I think something, the way that I, yeah, right. The way I feel about the whole VIP thing is like something, like it, at some point that whole thing like changed and like all of a sudden the like kind of the, the market changed where people were offering these like special 
you know, VIP packages for tours. And we kind of saw that happen. And I, I guess, like, I, I think at first, like, it received a lot of flack from, like, the scene and the community when bands were doing it. And, like, bands kind of have the option, like, the decision to, okay, do we want to do this or do we not? And we, like, saw it as, like, an opportunity to, like, you know, interact with the fans more, but also, like, it, it creates some money. Sure. You know, it's like, uh, and we thought of, like, just the way we talk about these records and stuff, it's like the way we kind of do everything is like, how do we adapt to this where we like do it with like our own spin and like we're comfortable with it and we have like, you know, we can say with integrity that like we back this and we're doing it justice, right? So like we hear about bands doing like, yeah, VIP meet and greets that are $300 and they just get like a photo with yeah. the band or something. And like, Oh, the Green Day one? Did you see that? The, yeah. No, the, the Green package. Day one, you get uh, a coupon for a free foot long Subway sandwich. No That's way. they got to deal the with Subway, huh? Greet. And you don't meet the band. It's or sorry, it's, it's not even meet and greet. It's just a VIP. You get like a silk screen a poster, poster yeah. a copy of their new CD. Okay, because uh, anyone buys yeah. CDs. The old CD. and yes, a, a Subway and a disc man. I hope. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, along with it. Uh, how much is this honor? I don't know. Do you know? I, I don't remember seeing the price, but the Subway thing is just ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I mean, you know, I'm gonna eat. Yeah, right. I, mean, I don't think a, you get yeah. a sandwich. Show. I think you, you just know, this isn't like a, it's a coupon. Like, you got to no, go. After I think the you show. have to go like the next day or something. Oh, this isn't an in-house subway. No, I don't believe so. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that is, that is very presumptuous too to be like everyone who's coming to the show is actually like like my wife like gags when she walks by Subway. Yeah, because of <laughs> that's the bread it's smell. like they they put they push it out. Yeah, the like, lofty bread yeah. smell. Yeah, yeah. So. But the bus thing you you bring up. Um, and you know we've always had a <laughs> Jonah has it up right now. The yeah, pull it up. <laughs> Here's what you get: one yeah. kit or premium reserve ticket, early entrance to the venue, one CD of their new album Revolution Radio, one exclusive screen print, one Green Day license plate. Wow, oh, that's yeah. different. One gift certificate for a subway foot long. This person has circled that and said WTF. <laughs> <laughs> one collectible laminate to remember your evening. Oh, and this is a nice one: crowd-free merchandise shopping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get the exclusive merch uh, Yeah. So you can buy more right. without the trouble of being around early, early people buying yeah. things. I'm sure right. that's just the early entry. How yeah. much is it? I'm looking it up right yeah, now. Yeah. Let's get a price on this. Uh, VIP. I mean, I don't know. Let's see how much it is. I the- wonder sometimes with a band like this, too, like how much of this do they even know the fuck is happening? happening right? Right. I mean, I've actually met Green Day twice as a punter, and they were cool. As a punter? Yeah, it's like a fan. Oh, what's they a say, punter? They say punter in, where do they say that? Australia, in? I think. Australia and in, in England, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means a fan? It's yeah, like, like someone who goes to shows, yeah. A show, yeah. Festival. Huh. I don't away. know, I pick up some of this this slang, I don't know. Yeah. That one, that was, I, you got me on that one, because I imagined you punting a football, <laughs> and I was, couldn't put together what that had to do. That well, always got to go back to sports, day. Benny. Oh, he no. said punt! <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't do that one. <laughs> So four hundred dollars, four hundred dollars for the sub. That's what it says on Reddit. I can't. They were sold out for the show here. Wow. I mean, how much is a ticket? I guess right. If you get a ticket, a regular ticket. Oh, tickets included in it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So four hundred for a ticket. Well, a ticket to a a Green Day show is what fifty bucks, one hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. Yeah, but a sub. A sub. I mean, and then how much is a license plate? License plates aren't cheap, probably. Yeah. Wow. Is it an actual like license plate? You don't have to. uh, Get it registered with the DMV. <laughs> oh my god! I kind of like four hundred dollars is insane. Yeah. All this being said, I kind of dig their new tune. 
like their new stuff. Green Day. Right. I heard the Bang Bang song. I liked it. It's okay. I yeah. I liked it. It's fine. Not into it. Jonah? I, I just, they're one of those bands where I just, like, I checked out so long Is that ago. a Billy Joe mask? Yeah, it's $45 just out of stock. That doesn't look mm. like them. Yeah. Yeah. All um, right. Well, I feel like, uh, so I met you guys, I don't know if you remember this, on Warp Tour. Yeah. And yeah. I instantly liked you because my friend Eileen was like, these guys are flying to Canada to go see Grade. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> you didn't do that. What? They're... They were like one of my favorite bands. I didn't even know yeah. the show was happening. I was like, these guys are really hardcore great fans. Yeah. When was so it was like probably like oh that was two thousand five two thousand five yeah right okay. that worked her um, and they did a reunion and we had a day off between Calgary and Vancouver or something and it was <laughs> far too like, yeah. we're talking about like a four hour each way flight yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> I can't believe we did that but yeah. where was the show it's in uh, Toronto yeah in it's Toronto. at the Opera House at the Opera House yeah. nice but we. I mean, our band wouldn't be a band without grade. Yeah. We just wouldn't. It's just, yeah. they're our biggest influence. Band and, grade, right? Yeah. But like that's, some of that's like inadvertent, like yeah. grade influenced a band that also went, you know, sure, for sure. us, it was like, they were from right our hometown. Your face, yeah. They were our favorite band. And I don't think I would have ever been in a screaming band. Yeah. It wasn't definitely for, the first band I show. saw with, a, with screaming and like definitely with screaming and singing, but probably the first like screw, like hardcore band i saw it's funny yeah. i went in reverse with grade they were coming out of that scene which was the first set of bands that we like acceptably allowed to sing right yeah <laughs> you know they were like they were like heavy you're like oh this is a hardcore band wait he's singing cool yeah yeah so i can we i came from the hardcore kid side totally. of that where i was like wait you're not allowed to sing this is kind of cool yeah. Right. yeah, I mean, I feel like whenever I write about grade, I use Billy to fact check everything. Yeah, because I'm like, wait, this guy was in the band for ten minutes in yeah, like 1997. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, right. yeah, it Were started they... happening towards the end, but they had mostly a solid, yeah. pretty solid lineup. Yeah, that kind of under, chunk. The under the radar lineup was kind of the solid. Yeah, it's so funny too because under the radar for me, when it came out, I was like, this is like pop music. Yeah, this is too. way too man. And too. I listen to it now. I'm like, the record's great. Yeah, and yeah. it's like also like it's still super screamy. It's like still, but it's for like. Sure. So compared to like such as progress and separate yeah, magnets, sure. it's like so different. I'm with you. I was a total dick about that yeah. record, but I yeah. didn't like anything that wasn't like heavy at that Same, point in my right. life. Um, was were, was grade big enough to play the opera house when they were around, or did that happen like possibly? Kind of not really. I, I would so. say no. Yeah, I yeah. remember yeah, some of the last Toronto shows they played. Like I remember they played that show with Converge, which is like Sean McGill's last show playing guitar for them. It was at the the Reverb, which is like five six hundred people capacity venue i don't know if i ever saw grade like do a proper headline show in toronto while they were still a band yeah that show was that show was like grade and converge and people were pissed that grade closed the show i remember too oh wow yeah (laughs) but it was like oh there it was one of those things where it's like oh converge is like the touring band but like grades like the local band so they they would draw more because they're but, but a lot of people, people hated Grade in Toronto too. Though. Really, yeah. uh, a lot. Of, it was I don't know if it was a jealousy thing because they were off, you know, touring the world and doing tours in Europe, or if they thought Kyle was a bad singer, or or if they thought he was an asshole. Like I right, know, right, right, Kyle right. came. Right. Kyle came from like being in the Swarm and stuff and Acrid right. and like I think there was just a lot of like beef and stuff. Sure. In in those days, yeah. People what about, fear change. Yeah. Cognitive dissonance. What yeah. about Chokehold? What was what was kind of their vibe like? 
Because they were another I'm, band I really I mean, liked. I was talking about this. I hung out with Mike Ski last night. We no way. About, <laughs> yeah. And we were talking about Chokehold. Um, were you talking about him and Kyle both having sick dreads? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but, um, we were talking about Chokehold because they just did a Japanese tour, uh, and we were in Japan at the same time. And we just thought that it's funny that like Silverstein and Chokehold are both like touring Japan in 2016. Um, but he, I asked him if he went to the, like the show in Philly, like the, this is hardcore. And he was kind of like, yeah, you know, and I, he was like, we were talking about chokehold and I, I was like, I think I just missed that. Like, yeah, pro- you know what I mean? Like in 1994, I was like listening to green day and like, yeah. you know, tr- like I didn't start going to local shows until like the very tail end of that. And, okay. You know, I think, um, so I had always knew about chokehold but even like those early callahan bands like left for dead i never saw like okay you know i saw the swarm once i think like it, it was really like and that's where like grade kind of was the the turn from that scene you know right, like right. for us absolutely yeah. Yeah. how often do you guys have to talk about being canadian <laughs> Almost like, always. Almost always. Huh? Yeah. I was just thinking yeah, of all that. the time. As but, much as we were talking, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Jesus Christ, they have to talk about being Canadian all the time. Yeah. It's funny when people don't think we're Canadian, though. Like, a lot of people thought we were from Chicago or something just because, like, we were on Victory. Yeah. Really? Or yeah. California, too. Or California. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, I feel like I did. So I did Damien's podcast. Yeah. And that dude. Knew more about like Cleveland and Buffalo hardcore oh, yeah. than I did, and I was like, that "I'm from there." He it was insane. He's like, "Dude, yeah. the Seven Inch Best Band." I was like, "That was my friend's band that put out like ten set. How do you know about this?" Yeah. <laughs> I know it's wild. Like I know. Yeah, he's great. I love that podcast. I love my I, so more good. so than the than the podcast. I love the footnotes. Yeah, because it's like, and I love Chris O'Toole, and they just like talk about. I want to have a podcast where I talk about other podcasts. Yeah. Like, I feel so... like I could talk about, like, every time David Bazan's been on Going Off Track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, Shane, I want to talk about your podcast really sure, quick. Sure. Speaking of podcasts. Yeah. Uh, Lead Singer Syndrome. You just did one with Fat Mike. Yeah. We did an episode a couple years ago with Fat Mike. Probably the craziest episode ever, but he's, like, kind of sobered out now. He was chill. Was he chill? Yeah. I was worried. In fact, if you listen to the episode, the beginning of it, I call Billy to ask him what to ask him. Because... No Effects is like my favorite band of all time. I've seen them play more than any band. I remember I drove to Cleveland when I was 16 years old really? across the border to see them at the Agora. Cool. I think you know, I was probably at that show. Probably, yeah. It was like 97, I think. Yeah. Like when So Long, Thanks for All the Shoes came out, maybe. Anyways, so it's like when you know everything about somebody, what do you ask them? Where right. do you start, right? Mm. So. I was surprised because I thought he would just be getting into, you know, like all the S&M shit and right. talking about butt plugs or, you know, whatever. And he was like actually really chill, talked to, like about songwriting and about mm. like stuff I've never heard him talk about because, you know, with no effects, you know, their whole thing on stage is it's very like they're trying to be very shocking. Right. You know, so that was a great, a great episode. And. I'm really having fun with the podcast. Yeah, how did that kind of come about? Did, just for the glory and all the money that lies in free oh, podcasts? Yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. I think I think the last quarter, I think I made $300. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Just for reference, Jonah currently is cloaked in a velvet ruby-encrusted <laughs> yeah. robe mm. that was all paid, paid for by for podcasts. Yeah. Going yeah. Off track. It's crazy. And just going off track. This isn't yes. even his other endeavors. Yeah, Don't yeah. forget to yeah. donate and click the donate yeah, button. Click the donate. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> you know our host, Bill. And add, add some rubies to, uh, to Jonah's mink. But this here. is something that's kind of come up on the podcast a lot. We've talked about specifically lead singers, and there's like a different mentality. Like, would you say so? Oh, sure. 
Uh, absolutely. And I think what is cool actually about it, though, is how many of them actually are kind of in touch with what's going on? How many of them don't think of themselves as lead singers? Yeah. And, you know, like most of them start out as guitar players and like, oh, nobody could carry a tune. So I became a lead singer. And I feel like those are the lead singers that become successful are the ones that understand you know, how the other parts of music work or, or, or have business minds and that kind of stuff. But then it's funny because you go through all that steps, but then in the end, when you're talking about a successful band, there's always an ego, right? There's always a lead singer thing, no matter who it is. And well, a lot of Robert talk- Plant said you need that. Like Robert well, Plant, actually, he was like, he's like, when I'm on stage... And and I, I forget the super polite British way he said it, <laughs> but he was essentially like, yeah, I think I'm better than everyone else when I'm on stage. Well, that, he's yeah. like, I need to. He's like, if I don't, I can't do this the way well, I do it. And he's like, he's like, so he was talking about like harnessing that ego almost when he needed it. But the thing we talk about often like is a deep like insecurity. Yeah. In it's yeah. like, is like often it stems from a deep insecurity. You create a character to deal with outside life you need sure, to, yeah. to talk to the crowd to be on stage and sure. to present yourself a certain way you put on I, that character that costume like, you yeah. do it long enough i feel like some singers suffer from a bit of a personality crisis like where do i start where does this character begin it's been so long now that we're probably somewhere in the middle you know absolutely and and i talk to most guests it tends to come up about well are you an introvert or are you an extrovert right and well, I'd say it's 50-50 down okay. the middle. And a lot of the people that are that are introverted, they can't Fat be introverted introvert, on stage. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, right. right. But you know what I mean? Like, you, you can't be that right. way. And, and I mean, Anthony from Bayside, I had him on my show, and he said it best when he's like, as a lead singer, you have to ooze confidence yeah. when you're up there. But when you get off stage, if you do that, everyone thinks you're a dick. Right? Anthony's straight right. professional. <laughs> he is pro. Yeah. Pro. Pro as fuck. It's a pro man. I feel like if I was the front man, yeah, I'd be so bad. I'd be like, hey guys, what's up? Hey. hey. Yeah. You'd be like the singer from Portishead. <laughs> Just turn, sing backwards. Yeah. But yeah. you look at a guy like, like uh, that I love, Father John Misty. It's yes. like, he used to be this, he was a drummer, and then he like started doing like solo singer-songwriter stuff, and he was just like sad acoustic guy. And then all of a sudden, it was almost like he created this character, and now he's become the character. Yeah. Right? And everyone's like, oh, that guy seems like such a dick. And it's like, no, he's just like writing. He's, but he also seems so self-aware. Yeah. Right. Because like, he is self-aware yes. of that. Right. I remember the first time I saw him, I was not at all what I expected. And I was like, this is, guy seems kind of, and by the end, I like loved it. I was like, yeah. this is funny, and it's entertaining. Right. Such a good performer. I saw him recently at like Massey Hall, which is just like classic Toronto venue that was like such a beautiful setting for the show. And he's just up there. He like he's like Freddie Mercury on stage, and it's yeah. like that's that's what he needs to do to like totally. He's like he's like humping the air and like and but then his <laughs> lyrics his lyrics are like about about that. But then also yeah, like like tongue in cheek and self aware. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. like if you get it, you really. You see what he's doing, but if not, you're like, oh, that guy's just like a misogynic asshole. Did you see when he did like Letterman or whatever? And he's like playing piano and then he stands up and it's like a player piano. No. And it's it's ridiculous. And they pump in all the laugh tracks and stuff. It's it's cool. Cool. So I have a question. Yes, Uh, Benny. uh, Not for you. Oh. (laughs) Take off your robe. This is just ridiculous, (laughs) Jonah. I mean, it's getting hot. Yeah, it's silly. And just to be clear, there is no shirt under this robe. Absolutely Jonah not. just came from some kind of bathhouse. <laughs> I'm not sure 
you are on some kind of trip these days, man. I know. But I you know. look ridiculous. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> but I was I was reading something in an old like interview where someone asked you and it connected personally with me because like there was a time when I was living in New Brunswick as in a band called The Low End Theory, who was like a pretty big local band, some touring, signed, like doing everything I wanted to do, but always wanted to like get out and tour and do as much as I could. And in this like two-year span, we watched Saves a Day, Thursday, and Midtown, all bands who like opened for us at one point, yeah. like blow up, leave New Brunswick, go on tour, do everything I wanted to do. And I was always left in this weird, I'm like, these are my friends. I'm happy for them. Truly, I'm happy for them. Mm-hmm. But I'm jealous as fuck because yeah, sure. I want to be doing this. And that was on a much smaller level, but I know you guys have been around so long now and you've been like a very influential band at this point. I think it's safe to say, I'll say it for you. So you don't have to be assholes. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, and I know you like took out bands like, like day to remember and like devil wears Prada who were just like fucking massive. Those bands, you know? Um, and I believe that did both these bands take you out? Or and Data Remember did? Data, uh, remember, Data did. remember did. Yeah, we're on tour with Devil Wears Prada right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I so, mean, we've... they and, and so, like, I, I was just wondering, like, because I know you guys are older, probably, than a lot of these guys. You've been around longer. Yeah. You maybe wrote music that helped shape the way they went about their careers yeah, or the way possible, they did these sure. things. Like, does it sometimes still feel like a weird pill to swallow when you're just like, Jesus Christ, like how big is that band now? I'm going to say no, yeah, not with the, like those bands you mentioned, because I mean, we, we took them out because we knew they were going to be big bands. That's right. why we took them out. Cause we saw the potential. It's like, it's like if I could invest in the stock market of bands, I'd be like the Warren Buffett of, <laughs> do you know what I mean though? Like, you know, you just know some bands like, yeah. oh, they just have right. it and it's going to work out. You're the hedge fund. So of- we like to think that we help them in a way get there by putting sure. them in front of our fans. Um, and when they eventually like surpass us, we treat, we try to treat them well as opening bands. And they usually re- repay the favor. Pierce the Veil is another Pierce one we Veil, brought yeah, out. Right. They just brought us over to Australia. They didn't have to do that. No, yeah. And, you know, they brought us over. All good friends, good people. So the jealousy thing's interesting that you bring up about, you know, the New Jersey scene because we had the same thing in Southern Ontario. Big okay. time. Yeah. And the three bands that, that really come to mind, maybe even four bands, were, um, were us, Alexis on Fire, uh, Boys Night Out, and Monine. Monine, yeah. Because uh, yeah. we all came up in the same, playing the same local shows. Mm-hmm. And it was like all at once, all four of our bands were doing it. Right. And all in sort of different capacities. Yeah, different like scenes, Alexis yeah. was huge in Canada. We were blowing up in the US. Boys Night Out was, was blowing up in the US too, but like in a different way. Right. Yeah. And Monine was touring with like getting every tour. They got yeah. like the Taking Back Sunday tour and they yeah, got yeah. the. So it was like every, I feel like everybody in our scene were jealous of each other. How old were you guys when this was going this on? This was like 23. Yeah. I was early, 23. Early 20. 19, so I was 20, 20. 19 or 20. Yeah. Okay. So you're at that age too, maybe where you're still not, you know, yeah. super sure of yourself. Right. Yeah. And, and there's definitely like with, with, especially with us and Alexis was, uh, there was some weirdness because we were like, they were like, why aren't we big in the U.S.? We're big in Canada. And we're like, Canada's where we're from. How come no one cares? Like, why can't right. we? Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it was always a strange. So much stuff happens. Like, I think we all, we grew up playing shows locally with all those bands and touring. Like, all four of those bands, 
we've all toured together at one point or another, like sometimes with more than one bands, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden it's just like, we, you know, a year goes past, we've all been playing like 150 shows and then you kind of come back and it's like, there's this weird kind of beef or something. It's like, where did that come from? I haven't seen you in mm. a year, you know, like, and it's because everybody's got the same friends and the same ex-girlfriends and the same mm. kind of people around the, the same industry people around. Kind of and it's just kind of like mm-hmm. turns into this, yeah. this big, like, you know, they said, they said thing. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, wait, wait, what? Like, yeah, yeah. 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 We're like, we thought we were cool. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. The yarn just starts spinning without it's you. True, right? It's true. It's yeah. true. Huh. But but I think something to be said about that, like the jealousy thing, like sure it's there, and uh, and like people in those kind of isolated scenes all feel it. But that's like what pushes bands and pushes scenes. Sure. Like everyone's like everyone's trying to do the the next cool thing, and it's like oh like all right, did you guys see Monine last week? Oh they lit off fireworks at the show or whatever. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like how do we do that? You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. how do we like oh they were like ju- they like climbed you know Kenny single handedly ruined our scene <laughs> yeah, for no. a year. Right. No, but like Kenny climbed up the rafters and like you know. Uh, like jumped out the window or something. It's like, okay, well, what do we got to do at this show? You know? Like, yeah. um, do you think like, it's something we we've talked a bunch about on this show is like the change in, in kind of technology, you know, I guess in this instance, most notably the internet, right? which mm-hmm. is, you guys know what that is? Heard of it. We have, we have one what computer in Canada that, that you got to like, one dial up. You got to book it. You got to book it in advance. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> But we talk a lot about how, like, that development, like, when we were coming up, cities, and not even cities sometimes, towns or areas had these really specific scenes. Right. Where, like, this crew of bands would come up at the same time who not necessarily sounded like each other, but were obviously playing with each other, feeding off each other, and a couple labels were popping out of there, and all these bands Mm -hmm. were popping out of there, and there's this thing that would come out of different cities and it definitely happened in toronto it definitely happened in new brunswick definitely happened in cleveland well we were just even saying that like like talking about damien and what he knew about like buffalo and of cleveland and stuff it's like those like those bands would come and play toronto or oakville or hamilton or whatever um like all the bands from cleveland would come up or all the bands from buffalo like we've been seeing every time i die play for 20 years you know like uh, the band like you know, I I don't know if your old band actually played in Canada, but I know like I had your record. I bought it from a distro or something. Uh-huh. Like when Nora toured, or like oh, you know yeah, X number yeah. five or something. Like yeah. it's like those ba- like it would be the weekend the weekend trip. Like you'd get okay, here's a bunch of New Jersey bands come up, and you know they'd go and do Quebec City, Montreal, Toronto, and then yeah, like yeah. Hamilton or something. But and there then go back. there was a sound though, man, and that's yeah. gone. That's dead. Well, that's what that's what I'm getting to is like like the Long Island sound, right? Like, is those like bands sound like because of um because of the internet because of technology the fact that like your music is presented nationally internationally before maybe even sometimes people even see you or your local thing is going yeah like does that does that thing that used to happen can it even happen anymore i don't think so. i don't think it can yeah we talked about that I, I think a lot like we do we do i think if there's probably some places where it still maybe can kind of happen if there's still yeah. bands like even like a place like Brooklyn maybe because you have like a lot going on with like people are trying to be trendsetters and stuff but for the most part if you're talking about more mainstream like music that's going to be selling like you know whatever you want to call it that stuff is going to just be on the internet 
and it's not going to matter where it's from. It still happens with labels and stuff too. Like right. I, I still think like labels are curated, right? Like there's still like a sub pop sound, you know, like whether sure. all the bands are from Seattle or not. Like, like it, for instance, the band Mets from Toronto. Like they like started the band and they were like, we want to sign to Sub Pop. Like we're not gonna sign to another label. Like we're a band that wants to be on Sub Pop. That's what we sound like. So like that's the label we're gonna sign to. And then they did. But like, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's just like you you can, but you don't hear that band from Florida and be like, oh yeah, they sound like Poison the Well. You know what I mean? Like right. it just doesn't happen like that anymore. It used to though. It used yeah, to for it sure. To. Like yeah. we're on tour. This this With band Twelve Tribes weren't they just like. Yeah. Poison the Well Jr., all, both from Florida. For sure, like, yeah. Or they're like Southern kind of California. Like it's say it, 12 is Dayton, Ohio. Ohio. Oh, I thought yeah. they were from Florida. <laughs> I never never even heard of 12 Tribes. I saw oh, 12 really? Tribes. Okay, yeah. never mind then. I, I guess I just did. thought they were from Florida because <laughs> they like Poison the Well, well and which makes on, sense. And they were on a Eulogy Records. Yeah, but they had that's all like Morning Again culture. Exactly. And the low end theory, believe it or not. This but this band, this band Memphis Mayfire that we're on tour with now, like they they're I always thought they were from Texas. And like we said to them, they're like, oh, you guys are from Dallas, right? They're like, no, like one guy's from Dallas, but like we all live in Nashville. And right. like the, the, the singer's like, I'm from, I'm from Washington. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the, the bands just happen like that now. New bands start and they meet on the internet and they like don't even live in the same towns. Yeah. Or, or yeah. everybody starts touring and then it's like, oh, well, I can go buy a house in this city and I can't buy a house in, you know, New York. So. Right. I'm I don't know. Any, I mean, I've lived here for 10 years. I don't know like any local Brooklyn bands. Right. Oh, really? Like, yeah. But I guess I don't really go. To, I don't know. And it, this is where I got to pose the question for all of us is that do these things exist and we're just old and I mean, we just maybe. like are just like not we're not also, local anymore. We're not like I don't think so, man. Pounding out the pavement. Maybe I also there are kids will admit, are. though, like one other aspect of this is like I'm not going to go to a five band bill show and go to see the first band usually. Right. right. Like I'm not my back will start hurting. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? How many? What's your max? Max bands. I can do three tops. I mean, it depends. If it's like all, if it's four bands I like, I can do that. Okay. Yeah. Full sets? Yeah, maybe I'll go down to the bar and hang out a little can bit. Can you imagine <laughs> going to like Warp Tour though and going like no. all day? No. I can't. I could. I'm it. like, no way. I'm like peyote. Like, <laughs> like, I would do it if like mixed into it was some kind of like spiritual journey because that's like the only way I think I could navigate There's it There's like good point. festivals though with like bands that I want to see and I can't do it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like going to Riot Fest or something. It's like, oh, there's like 30 bands I want to see. And then it's like, you get there and it's like, oh no, I'm just, it's Warped Tour all over much. again, you know? Yeah, I know. Huh. Or Did you Fest. Get, yeah, Fest right? is tough. It's crazy. Can't get into any of the buildings. Right. Is that true? Well, yeah. I've, We're playing I, it next weekend. I found that fest that it's just every lineups, time so, I yeah. want to go see a band, I can't get in. Yeah. Like, I well, would have had to be there three hours before. To and then you're missing the other band that you want to yeah. see in that time. A couple yeah. years ago, they had this outdoor pavilion, though. So, like, I saw Descendants there, and it was like, you could get tons that's of cool. people in. Yeah, I haven't I been there since so. they did that. But I think it's smart. And I think that's one of the cool things about the way they do South by Southwest or ACL is that because none of these venues are big. You know, that's part of the cool charm of both of those fests right. is that these cool bands from all over the world are playing these like local ass venues, right. you know, and it, and it's cool to see that band in that environment. But yeah, like I don't have the time right. and, and the idea that you can go to some big outdoor stage for some of the other ones and you don't have to go through that. I think it's a good idea. Probably give people the mix so you don't want to grind it down on the street. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what would you do? Say you guys were in line for 
two and a half hours for a show. Phone dies. <laughs> nothing to read. And you're surrounded by, on one side, Riot Girls. Group of Riot Girls. This is a real would you rather. Four. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for and it. then on the other side, you have three, like, sort of really, like, douchey, fratty-sounding, like, uh, hardcore guys. And, like, you hear them peppering insults at each other in kind of, like, a sort of passive-aggressive way. Would you guys, like... Like, would you be intermediaries or would you take a side? Yeah, I feel like I'd probably take a side. I'd probably try to try to position myself in a way that would make the right girls like see that not all men are awful or something. You okay. Know? Like, uh, I think I would just try to spark up a conversation and be like, these guys suck. I, I'm with you, you know? Like, But that being said, like now you're going to be in the position to fight the bro dudes. Yeah, I suppose. He's a big guy, though. I'm a big guy. Yeah. He's a big fella. Yeah. I'm Very, siding with the bro dudes just so I don't have but to can you, up. Yeah, you'd be like, sports guys, can, hey. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think you'd do in a fight, about though? Them you, don't, you don't seem like the kind of guy that would like, no. regularly get into fights. No. I think, I think I would like definitely side with the women and try to try to like take position of, I, I, I'm on your team, you know? Yeah. Uh. I remember one time Bill tried to fight a guy because we were in Australia and we had a a pitcher of beer on stage. Oh, this is great. <laughs> uh, it was a really like weird small show, and I don't even know what kind of venue it was. But there was no security or anything in a low stage, and some drunk guy just like walked up and just like took our pitcher and started drinking it. Not cool. And no, and Bill was not happy about this. <laughs> yeah, you struck the man. I well, I kind of <laughs> shoved him at first. I shoved him at first. Is and this then in took the middle the, of a song? Yeah. Okay. This is, a, is it in the middle of a song? Or is it? We didn't stop playing. I think was it between songs. I think I think in the middle of the song, I like I like shoved. I like was like kind of like shoved him. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And like you put the put it down, and then we tried to throw him off stage. And then we finished, and like Shane was like, "Buddy, buddy, buddy!" Like you can't drink our beer. And then he comes back, and he thought I guess he heard drink our beer or something, and he picks it up and starts drinking. It, and I just went over and started like Donkey Kong him. In the head. Like, you went full fist like, on yeah, top of the head yeah, and bonked yeah, him. Yeah, right. Wow. That's yeah, just cool. like had it like he was bent over to like, and I just started like <laughs> smashing him. <laughs> see, that's exactly the kind of scenario that I could see you guys fighting somebody in. Yeah, because like that's like a you are not being polite right. scenario. Yeah, and if there's anything that I found pisses off Canadians the most <laughs> is like you're just you're not being nice. All right, you're being a dick. Like it's like the the social injustice of somebody just not being cool. Yeah. Like seems to really bother, which I like because I feel like you guys, and, and another thing I noticed, I know we weren't supposed to talk about being Canadian, but (laughs) I noticed that Canadian bands more often, it seems to me stay together with the same people. You think so? And kind of like grow together more. I, I see like a lot of examples of bands from Canada and the way they interact with each other in a very like comfortable, friendly sort of manner right. with each other, which yeah. like I think you see less and less. I feel in in American bands, you know, that's not Hard even a question, say, yeah, yeah. but I just think that. Yeah, I don't know. The only thing I can think of with that is I feel like a people in America, everyone's always moving around. You know, like our friend Danny's like, he lived in New York for 10 years. Oh, he's just moved to California. For full disclosure, and, spoke to Danny last night 
to get dirt on you guys. Amazing. Oh yeah. He bet, oh, he knows. He knows where all the bodies are buried. Yeah. He's he said a couple things. That I'm like, no, I'm not going to bring that. Up. <laughs> I feel like we have the the good Danny dirt. Is this <laughs> oh, the, the, yeah. to who worked at Worcester? Sure. Yeah. Okay. This is Danny. Danny, Danny Del Donuts worked okay. for Silverstein for six or seven years. I and didn't then, know that. Left us for the uh, greener pastures of the Gaslight Anthem. Actually, oh, wow. first stepped into Manchester. We we stole That's true. him from Manchester. Orchestra yeah, right. And actually that, did yeah. steal him. Right. Yeah. You guys have a few of our guys. You got Joe, Joe Motto. Yeah. Yeah. So, Joe Motto is now a homebody. It's true. Really? Joe's true. off the road. He's married. He's, he's always he's got, hated touring though. He has. He's got girl Joe. He loves sound. Hates yes. touring. Maybe got a baby Joe on the way. I don't know. Not yet. No. Um. I think Joe Junior. Joe Junior. Male or female? Definitely going to be Joe Junior. Hey, Joe Jr., I'm over here and stirred a sauce. So, Joe Amato, just for the reference of people, he's the best dude. He's great. Um, he's so New York, he's so surly, and he's so little that, that it comes off like really funny. Ugh. My story about Joe, so he came highly recommended, but because of Danny, you know, like, yeah. like right. oh no, Joe first. And then I think Danny, God, I don't right. fucking remember which yeah. one. Danny will take credit for like our whole career. Dan- Danny will but, take credit yeah. for our career. You <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. So, we're <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh, I was the one at the oh, merch table selling yeah, the I CDs. How do you think they got the dang CDs? It's so true. But Joe Motto, so his first show. With us, I'm, I'm like, all right, I heard this guy's good. Let's do this. And and I'm checking my stuff, and I'm doing uh, line checks on the drums. And uh, I had just changed the snare head. I was like, hey, you know, like, new fish. Like, how's the snare sound? You all right with that? And I just hear him. I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, it sounds like a bag of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, who's this guy? I'm like, I like him. Yeah, right. I'm like, yep. you know, and then right off the bat, good friends. <laughs> right, there you go. That's exactly, you know, there's a thing like I noticed and it just happened on Monday. I was playing basketball, bunch of guys, and I went a little far with the shit talking mm. and I like offended some people, I think, or freaked people out like I was actually mad. I'm like, I'm not mad. We're driving here. You yeah. know what I mean? We're That's what we're ball. supposed yeah. to be doing. Right. And like, I feel like Joe Amato freaks a lot of people out around oh, the yeah. world oh, yeah. because of this attitude he thinks everybody has, but it's really pretty regional. <laughs> right. Like, like where we understand the way each other talk, but you go to some other places and it's true. Well, I always love how when people, New Yorkers go elsewhere and their New York accent disappears. But then they get back together, and oh, it's yeah. full right. on. Oh. I my love wife that. makes fun of me all the time. Apparently, I have a chameleon accent. Yeah, yeah. Like when I'm around, like my friends from back home. Apparently, I get super Jersey. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, oh, a coffee, and like, and then all yeah. of a sudden, like it pops out, and I don't even know what's happening. We do that in Canada too. Yeah. Oh, I'm not supposed to talk about it, but we do that in Canada too. Like the aboots, can't avoid it. The aboots and the A's. Yeah, I feel it on tour all the time. Like when you we get into Sorry. California or the South or something, you know. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, you get into the south, and I start saying y'all and stuff, and it's like I never say y'all. Like, <laughs> but those yeah. Americans—they're right. always moving around. Yeah, you right. know? that's true. And wait, did we get off track? We did. Yeah. And I'm, but I'm yeah. I'm putting us back on the rails here. Uh, I'm yeah. See, I'm, I'm running this shit. Train analogies. <laughs> but I think that's a big thing, though. In in the U.S., there's so many different places, and in Canada, like really, there's like two. There's like Toronto, Vancouver, where it's Vancouver, kind of the Montreal, central. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Montreal and then Vancouver, and then that's the middle. Much it. So yeah. I feel like maybe that's part of why Canadian bands stick together a little more because everyone's kind of in the same area at least people aren't moving like across the country or sure you know to be with someone else think like you just alienated no. all your fans from edmonton calgary and winnipeg <laughs> and bam uh, first of all fuck edmonton <laughs> wow <laughs> no uh calgary's all right calgary's coming up though yeah calgary's cool yeah Republican town, though, isn't it? Conservative Calgary? I'd say so. If there's anywhere that's it's conservative in Texas Canada, Canada, it's, it's yeah. got the most, definitely. Yeah. Have you guys ever thought about moving to the States? Yes. Yeah. Shane's seriously thought of it, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, my, my ex had a job offer in L.A., and it was, like, very close to happening. And at the last minute, uh, she couldn't get the visa, or the company couldn't get the visa. And that's the real problem. Is people forget, you know, my, easy, my yeah. favorite thing is when people are like, if Trump gets elected, I'm moving to Canada. It's like, I'm like what? okay, luck, sure. Yeah. What, where should you have a Canadian passport? Well, no. Okay, so you think they're just going to let you? Like, yeah, they yeah, don't yeah, understand yeah. that right. it's a different country. So Not just wait for that wall, you know? Like, patriot you are, dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, first sign of trouble, you're leaving? That makes me want to fight. Yeah. <laughs> fight for my land and my people. Not, not run away. How That's hard fair. is it to get a visa to live here from Canada? Uh, it's really, really tough. It is. It's next like, to impossible, especially really. a working visa. You have to like the whole yeah. like they took our jobs thing. It's real. You know what I mean? Like if you say, hey, I, I'm going to come there to do this. It's like, no, you're not like Joe American's going to do that. You know, like there's you have to have like a very convincing argument that like you're the best at your job to take that job away from an American. Like you know? We have work visas for the band. That we that we have in there, we get them every year for twelve months. So I guess technically, and it's tough. We could probably live in the U.S. Yeah, uh, we couldn't work another job. We couldn't work we, another job. Yeah. We could work our job. So I guess technically, mm. I could move. Yeah, to the U.S. But yeah, I our, pulled our, the trigger. But I just gotta hate cold weather. Right. Yeah. Where would you go if you were to come? I'd anywhere warm. Okay. Southern California. We maybe joked like about Austin. We joked uh, about re- relocating the band. For years, <laughs> yeah. I wish we weren't joking, though. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see if Silverstein moved, like whole band yeah. moved to Miami. <laughs> like, what would happen would the, to the Silverstein? That would be the, the you know? absolute last place I would <laughs> yeah. want to move to. You know, yeah. Great place. Why? You guys Not don't like Miami? Me. We've never me. even played actual it's Miami. The hardest place to play. Yeah, I guess Warp Tour yeah. was the closest we've gotten to. We played Fort Lauderdale, yeah. but we've never yeah. actually went all the way down to. I've never actually been to Miami. Yeah, to like the oh. like South Beach or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's be, why it's the last place yeah. you'd ever go because you don't know how great it yeah, is. Yeah, well. your favorite place ever. True. <laughs> uh, I was that was pretty. Again, not supposed to talk about. It, it was very un-Canadian. <laughs> I was just like Edmonton. Well, I've hates been, you guys. Yeah, now. right. <laughs> this is just. This is getting bad. <laughs> We got a. What else you got in your little notepad, Benny? Well, what's I want to get into some of this Danny dirt. Mm. Well, no, Danny was giving me dirt on you. Yeah. So, well, what do you he got? told me what's to bring up the Who Day bus driver. Who Day? Who Day bus driver? I was talking about him. He yesterday. said you guys would do that. So, what's the story there? Is yeah, just a guy who would say Who Day all the time? I don't know where the Who Day thing came from. It was, we were on tour with Hawthorne Heights, and they were from Dayton, and they're big. Oh, yeah. Bengals fans. Big Bengals fans. Oh, is that So, they would start saying Who Day, and then we just kind of co opted it somehow, and this bus driver. Was just he was he had a couple screws loose and he would just <laughs> greet us every day with Who Day like he thought it was our thing or something and and we just started calling him his name was also Danny so we started to differentiate them we called him Danny Who Day 
He was he was just like he super was just, racist, like uncomfortably racist. Yeah, that. I've but that's got, a driver thing, it, and it I is. hate to say it. No, but there are a lot of them from the south, and it's Fuck. like sometimes they'll say something, and you're like, oh god, not again. I know. But no. they always say if if you think you have a good driver, just wait, just wait, just bring up something's gonna happen or something. Yeah. There's gonna be something. They're gonna they're gonna end up saying oh, yeah, something we super had- crazy. Uh, like, we had this driver that we thought was awesome. His name was Cowboy or something, and he only ever wore like white T-shirts and a cowboy hat and, and blue jeans. He he had a, a milk carton, like a, a plastic crate or mil- milk. That crate. was his suitcase. That was his suitcase, and he just had like Hanes white T-shirts folded in it, and one pair of jeans. And we were like, "This guy's awesome. He's so chilly. He was like young, handsome guy." And then like six months later, we heard he got in like a high speed chase with the cops, and like was no, no, no. It was a standoff. A in standoff. His house. And his hostage house? situation oh, had his, had a gun on his on his uh, ex wife or something. Yeah. We were like, hey, can we? Hey, bus company, can we hire this guy again? Yeah, we're like, oh, nope. about that. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, not working for us anymore. And that's something people like people don't realize is that you think like, oh, those guys have like a bus driver. It must be like their dude. No, like, no. like you hire a bus, and more often than not, you're like, oh, hi, my name's Ben. Hi, my name is this. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Go ahead, and you're the hands of me and all of my best friends, right. and our lives are now in your hands. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Forever, yeah. You know, it's a very nice odd to meet you, Winburn. Yeah, that's our driver's name on the Winburn. Yeah. Winburn. Yeah, and it always takes me a few days on the first run of the tour to like even like sleep. Comfortably. Have you fired drivers? Yeah, because that's something that like, we hard. probably should have fired the racist bus driver. Right. It's really hard to fire but, a driver in the middle. We just had an incident where a guy did more than enough to get fired. Yeah. And because we were like so close to the end and the cost of firing him and bringing in somebody fly else and starting all this and, and fly-ins and fly-outs and blah, blah, blah. And contesting with the bus company, we were just like, all right, fuck it. Yeah. Because the guy wasn't the worst driver in the world. He was the worst human in the world, um, which still kept us safe. And then I just didn't fucking look or talk. But you've had experiences where you actually did fire the driver? No, like that was the closest. closest. Because oh, okay, so you never actually did. Not That's mid the tour. Because I don't know how tour. often it happens. Tour manager bands. once. That was, that was bold. Yeah. Mid tour. Oh, you guys had John Kenna for a while, too. Oh, yeah. That's another Silverstein. Uh, John guest. Kenna was a Silverstein? He was oh, yeah. a Silverstein wow. TM for us once, yeah. So this is three <laughs> people we've shared. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, all good people. Yeah. John Kenna, another... Interesting character, for sure. Fun character. Very fun guy. Interesting guy. Has a kid now. Really? Still in St. Louis. Crazy. Doing his thing. Nice. Uh, what a guy. Saw him not that long ago. He drove me and Alex around. We smoked some weed. Um, you you keep in touch with most of your old. I do actually. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. You do. I do always. Huh? Actually, John yeah. Weed. yeah, he he's a new one. Oh, yeah. He yeah. didn't at the time. Yeah. yeah, he didn't at the time. But he did have that weird sexual addiction. I don't know. If, yeah, we, if that we've was got current some when you guys interesting had. sex had stories some, from yes. him. Yeah, he would be to the point sometimes where I think like if he didn't like jerk off. I think he's like he like was physically in pain. It was it, it almost seemed like like I don't know if I've ever seen someone who might have been like actually like I need to like do this or else yeah. I'm gonna go crazy. Some like touching himself right. in, the, yeah. in the van. I mean, it was... <laughs> there was a time once I didn't want to tell the story, but I guess I'm going to since oh, you bring not? it up. Come on, <laughs> uh, where I was, you know, in the middle the middle bunk, and he was at the top bunk, like across the way, you know. So I'm just kind of there on my computer or something, and my curtain's like a little bit open. 
So I see him and he goes, Shane. I go, what? He goes, guess what I'm doing right now? <laughs> uh, and I knew exactly what he was doing right now. And then he's like, we should like both do it and like look at each other sometime. <laughs> Whoa. Like, like, uh, I don't know, man. I'm out. <laughs> just going to close my curtain up just right now and slowly. slowly. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So, hey, sorry if John, <laughs> sorry, I mean, we shouldn't have told everyone that in the hey, world, but listen, uh, you're right though. He is a man that has a, a lot of sex drive. Yeah. I guess and I don't say. view that as a bad thing. I mean, no. that's a, Maybe just a more sexually progressive individual. I don't us. think he's. I don't think he's gay or anything. No, that, that's fine if he is. I don't Actually, think he was. I don't think he was trying to come on to me. Maybe at all. you were being a little prudish. <laughs> maybe I was. Yeah. I should just. Perhaps you should have just went for it. Would have been fun. Because now, now a scenario you're going to have to live the rest of your life with an unknown. You get a big question mark. What if? What that experience could have been like. I just locked eyes with John Kenna. And like, maybe something would have happened. Maybe you were afraid of what would have happened, Shane. You, you could be right. You could be right. I mean, I've kissed a man on the lips, you know. It's fine. Doesn't mean well, I'm I mean, out. I wasn't saying anything? that. You were just no looking labels? at each other when you were jerking off. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a totally you know. different scenario. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this. I was watching this an episode. Really gotten off track, hasn't <laughs> yes, it? Yes, it sure has. has. I was watching an episode of House of Cards. Yes. I don't know okay. if you've seen this show. Yes. Yes. Where Lucas was in jail. And in order to gain the favor... I haven't seen the show. No spoilers. No, nah, this is a small spoiler. <laughs> well, no, actually a pretty big one. Sorry. Your um, mom. Can you, can you like say it in a way... Put to, me to in the isolation the booth. The characters and- no, no, no. Very quick. So when he's in jail, he garners favor with his dangerous cellmate by narrating like an oral sex scenario to the guy to masturbate. Which is something I never thought about for jail survival. Like, if you're really good with words, you could just, like, spit out, like, a sexual Joan right. Collins-type story for them to, to masturbate to, and that could be your means of survival. Right. So, Jonah, you're a wordsmith. I would rather... If you ever get I locked up... I would rather up, just use my memory than have some strange guy reciting something. Agreed. No, I'm talking about your means of survival would be the reciting. You're not getting recited to, Jonah. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't think I'm, you don't think I'm telling people what to do? No. You don't think I'm running that cell block? If you're not the bitch I'll in your cell. 153 pounds of me. Man, I don't well, would know. you rather have Jonah talk to you about this or would you rather just use the spank bank? For me? Yes. See, this is where... <laughs> Things are situational, fellas, you know, <laughs> and the way I'm thinking about this right now, where like we're going to end this interview and I'm going home to like my wife and my kid and like the whole deal. Of course, I would rather jerk off to my spank bank. But in the scenario that I'm like in prison for like the last four years, I don't know where the fuck my mind's at by the time that's going. Yeah. That's and true. I would probably want you to narrate. Some, this like, goes back to the John Kenna story. Like maybe... This is a big regret of Shane's life. He's never going to have that experience. Like, Untapped. I think I would go with the uh, having Jonah. I think I could talk probably me hook it up it, if know? I really yeah. wanted to. Oh yeah, you're like one text away. Maybe from not that. John Kenna, but you know, <laughs> maybe that kid in equal Singapore. or lesser value. Yeah. I don't know. I see. 
Yeah, what I did don't you just say? Kid in Singapore? That's right. No, <laughs> I'm a fan who collects your records. Not some random kid. I, I'm assuming this guy orders so much mail order that he's of age. Uh, Jesus Christ. He's probably going to listen to this. Yeah, story story Rainer. What's this that, kid's name? Can I personally This is Rainer. Yeah. Huh? This is Rainer. Rainer, I'm sorry. That's my fault. That's my fault. All my fault. <laughs> My warmest, warmest apologies. How did I get into this, John? So you guys know, know we're from Canada? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, go out to my list. All right, Shane, I wanted to make fun of you about one other thing. Oh, God, here we go. So in the video for Ghost, which oh, is a no. cool video and good song, like, I'm into both for the record. Thank you. Yes, this is our brand new song. came out like four days ago. Pretty awesome. Thank four, you. Man, four so weeks by the time this podcast hits That's the stream. Yeah, right? That's yeah. fine. So you're doing a scene in the video where you're running yeah. and singing yeah. into a mic yes. that has a chord. Yes. Was this, like, when, was there a conversation yes. about yes. which yes. kind of mic to run if it had a chord? Should there be a chord? Should I, there be a I mic? I love that no you mic. notice all of this. Yeah, well, I was because I like, huh, what's that thing plugged into? Which is my first thought, because you were yeah. running pretty fast, and it must yes. have been a really long chord. Well, what we did, originally... It was me running with no microphone. Okay. So I was running, but I was and I was singing, singing to the air. And they thought because I was, they wanted it to look like I was running really fast. Okay. But I he wasn't was, running that fast. He was doing the hand actions that he's doing right so now. So I was trying, yeah, I'm, which you know, is yeah, fists okay. in the air, running action, running yeah. actions. Yeah, sure. And they thought it looked just looked really awkward. So they're like, "What if we use a mic?" So the problem was we'd already filmed all the performance with the cord. Okay. So oh. I wasn't going to use just a mic with no cord, like especially you'd see like where it's plugged so it was in. A it would be a continuity thing. Kind of. So then we took the cord and we didn't know what to do. So we tried tying it on the dolly that okay. was in front of us. Yeah. But that wasn't really working because it turned or is into that this, what we like, ended up doing? Maybe it's what we Oh, ended no, no. Up we did do that. Sorry. Yeah. We did do that. We tied it to the dolly and it was fine. And then it gave me like enough length in front where I could run. But then they wanted to film it from the side too. Oh. So they'd. Would would have seen the cord, right? You know? Like yeah, along right. Right. So what we ended up doing is we ended up attaching a few mic cords together, running it like back, dragging and it we out. had our assistant guy that came and helped us tech. run <laughs> along at the back and hold the cord and make sure no one tripped on it. Wow. See, so this was a thing. It's like cinema. So, yeah, it's like <laughs> cinema magic here. In hindsight, if you were to do the running scene first and continuity wasn't an issue, would you still have gone cord? Or you would have went cordless. I'm not a wireless mic guy. Okay. I can't hang. Headset? It's too... (laughs) I probably would have just said no mic, but be like, Shane, stop doing that with your hands, man. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know what to do with my hands. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I never thought about the cord thing that being funny until right now. But I guess it is kind of Well, I mean, the first thing that always goes into my head when I see stuff like that is like... All right, what are we plugged into here? Yeah. Because uh-huh. you're running pretty fast. I mean, it looked fast. I mean, you're telling me it wasn't a super fast pace. See, music videos are fucking bullshit, first all of right. all. Well, yeah. They're stupid. I mean, do you remember the November Rain video where like Slash comes out of the church and he's waving his guitar in the air? You can see the input jack. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, there's nothing plugged into it. So, like, I guess when that came out in 1992, Two or whatever it and was. And I believe like, in a ploof of doves. Hundreds yes, of millions. There are hundreds too. of thousands of dollars that went into that video yeah. and they couldn't get a, a cord. So I'm 11 cool. year old. Yeah, they couldn't just plug a little. Yeah. And uh, let's be anything. real. Like, it rains at a wedding. You're really going to dive over the table <laughs> through a cake <laughs> to get out of the rain? <laughs> 
<laughs> like, what are you made of sugar derivatives? Like, you're gonna die if like if you stay out there? Like, I never understood that. I'm like, sugar derivatives. I'm like, that's super dramatic. Like, if I'm having like an outdoor wedding. And one of my friends, like, decides to, like, jump through my cake under the table. I'm going to be, like, concerned. Like, what the fuck are you doing, man? It is Guns N' Roses, though. Like, I wouldn't put that past <laughs> yeah, those guys. True. But, yeah, you could have been like, get Ricky Rackman to go talk to this guy. <laughs> yeah. Tell him, just walk inside. Just, you know, but seriously, just... though, ever since I saw the November Rain video when I was 11 years old or whatever, I was like, well, whatever. Music videos are bullshit. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to ever worry too much about that. There's certain music videos like, like we you try to have continuity, but if you don't, you don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, not a lot of people yeah. watch them these days, anyway. Do they? I well, know. I guess they do. I guess you're getting free thing. music on YouTube. It's just and, YouTube, yeah. yeah. Like people aren't. I mean, in Canada, Our I guess got they played still, on much music. I played I on much last music night. last night. I guess, yeah. They still nice. kind of play music videos in Canada, but for the most part, it's, it's YouTube. There, there was such a time when like you make. A music video, like we made a music video where we rob a bank with baseball bats. Like, who has ever robbed a bank with baseball bats? <laughs> like, so uh, you think about like, oh, this can't have violence in it or whatever because it's going to be on MTV, and then it's like it's not on MTV. Well, I guess that video was actually on MTV. On MTV. <laughs> yeah, we actually did the right decision with that one. Yeah. Might as well use Dax's. Or uh, Fuse's uh, Stevens Untitled Rock Show, I believe, played yes. that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Were you guys ever on the Rock Show? Oh, many times. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Steven. Shout Hi, out to Steven. Steven. Yeah. Miss you. Jonah, do we have time for another, like, I know we went into, like, fun land here, but do we have time for another serious? Do you guys have time? Oh, yeah. Do you guys yeah. have time? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know much about it because I've never been personally involved, but there is, as you guys, of course, know, there is a long history of Victory Records and problems with a yeah. lot of their bands. Yeah. Um, and this is, like, going way before, like, Hawthorne Heights and shit like that. Like, yeah. Back in the day, like there's always where there's smoke, there's fire. Obviously, there's been a few issues over there. Right. You guys went through it unscathed. It seems like you you fulfilled your contract. We did, and then went to another label. Didn't we did. I'm kind of mm-hmm. wondering, like, did you run into any we situations? He did. That was later on, but gotcha. did ahead. you run into any situations through those years where, like? you know there were troublesome problems like brewing ahead that you guys were able to avoid like the same problems other bands have you saw on the horizon and you were able to reel it back somehow or did it just not happen to you guys i would say we were kind of one of tony's favorites for sure and i don't know if what that was exactly um but he was always we were always really chill with him we kind of let him dictate things we let him steer the ship i think he liked that and we were looked at as very um what's the word yeah like i don't know like a teacher's pet or something i don't know something like 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 that yeah so we were just always like okay tony you know like one time we went we tony took us to the park in chicago and we we had a sports day and we played wiffle ball and we threw the football around like to my understanding no other band had ever done that no do you know what I mean? So yeah. we had like kind of a, a different relationship a with Tony. Very for Rockwellian for <laughs> but that, Victory that being, Records. That being said, um, there were problems we had with with it. I mean, like a lot of things were were issues. Like every time we wanted to make a music video, for example, it was never easy. It was like we we want to do this. Well, no, we we need this money. No, you know, whatever. So we had we had a lot of issues like that. Um, 
I think too, like just going into like like our fourth album, we had signed for four albums, and going to the fourth album, it was like they were like, "Well, are you going to resign with us?" And we're like, "Well, I don't know. We still have like eighteen months of this album to do. Like, why don't we get Smart. through this? You know, why don't we get through this album?" And then we we'll knew we weren't going to talk about right. that. But they, and I think they knew that we weren't going to resign, so they just kind of like stopped promoting our band right and then it was just like a you know what if like you had just gone and like pushed on and continued along with our career like maybe we would have considered yeah. sticking around because you know they like there I mean, there's so many documented bad things that people say about victory records but like we never expected to sell like five thousand records yeah. and we sold a million you know like it's yeah. it's something that like they they worked hard through it all you gotta yeah. give that that guy in that label right. credit for his ability to to spot and market young bands. I mean, he's been doing it since what, like the late 1980s. Sure, like, yeah, and yeah. he's been finding right. like really awesome bands, like groundbreaking bands. Like, every yeah, I mean, step hardcore wouldn't be what it was, no, what, what it is without no. you know. I used to literally like get. Bands, I used sure. to get talk shit to for being such a big Victory Records yeah. fan from the old Chromags guys <laughs> and stuff like that. When right. I would be listening to Snapcase, and they'd be like. Oh, that's not fucking hardcore. And it seems like those guys, Victory managed to keep those like trailblazing and not even just bands like, through that time. I don't even know what Snapcase is. I yeah. listen to them now and I'm like, they were so different than everyone else. Yeah, yeah. they really were. It's true. You know? They were closer to like, to, quick, like Quicksand Helmet and Refuse yeah. something yeah. than totally. they were another hardcore band, totally. I think, for sure. Yeah, with that piccolo snare sound. Right. Yeah. Funky. I think the thing about Victory, too, that not only just like finding the good talent and finding the good bands, it was really the like way of how they marketed the bands and how they, you know, like the stuff like the Victory comps, the cheap comp sure. with like 30 bands on it. That was a thing that like changed the scene and like totally. got, and like putting, you know, we, we, benefited so much from like everyone that bought the thursday record got like our single yeah. in the oh, right. in the cd yeah, you know yeah. like things like that like those kind of piggyback promotion type things and like being the first you know street team label that had like you know they sent out like people in suvs to like hand out samplers right, at like right. big big shows and stuff it's like that kind of shit like mattered a lot in that era sure. especially so but we weren't as high maintenance i think as some of those other bands yeah. too to like i'm not trying to be a dick but like yeah uh, and it, it wasn't those bands fault in a way like you look at someone like hawthorne heights like they had a platinum record you know and when you're a band selling a platinum record and you're having radio and all this shit you're supposed to expect a certain amount of label support and they weren't getting the label support they wanted mm -hmm. therefore they you know complained yeah. complained yeah, sure and for us we were like we were just like okay well hey we just sold how many records this yeah. week oh, we had, cool we got this tour coming up yeah, cool yeah. whatever and we were like that's fine and we didn't need them to do all the things that like maybe hawthorne heights or whoever whatever band even taking back sunday selling a boatload of records we're seeing other labels do for their bands they weren't getting yeah. that they probably should have been getting sure but for us we just didn't ever think we were always under the radar yeah in that, in there, that. It yeah, there it is. And that's like Tony's favorite band, Grade. He uh, loves really? Grade. Okay. I need to throw oh, a little yeah. a little going off track footnote in here. Okay, uh, I loved the uh the Chris Connolly episode, recent one. Uh it seems like you made a sound the alarm uh pun and it ah. went right over his head and I was just like dying, like <laughs> listening to this episode and like you're talking about like his his home or something and like oh, you're like yeah. talking about his setting his suit 
security and you're like, you want to make sure you don't sound the alarm or something. And it's just like on the point. And he just goes, he just rolls with it. And I'm like, ah! Yeah, he's so used to it. I feel yeah. like it doesn't even register anymore. Jonah yeah. is truly the pun master. Can you talk a little about your failed pun? Oh. Are you willing to go public with the failed pun? I have failed puns all the time. Which the one epic you failed pun, the one you I told me we talked about this. today. Yeah. Oh, I had an anti-flag pun. Yeah. Uh, that I said to Chris number two online, no response. So I was like, well, I got to try this in person. Unresponded <laughs> tweet. Because <laughs> yeah. clearly he wants to hear it again in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they had just put out this bacon... This like seven inch that was like shaped like a piece of bacon, I guess. Okay. It was a plate with bacon. Really? Yeah. So it was Weird. like some kind of cop thing. And it oh, had bacon okay, on okay, it. Okay. And uh I was like, oh, it's like, so like, not vegan. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, I saw the the bacon seven inch. He's like, Yeah. I was like, Is so that song Fry for Your Government on it? <laughs> <laughs> and he was sort of like no. Like and I was like, Do you see I tweeted that you a few months ago? He's like, Yeah, yeah, I yeah, saw it. Saw it. Like, <laughs> you've had some good ones lately in the time. I gotta fry, the, I gotta fry. The, the Steph Curry Thai food one was that great. That was one of my like, favorites of all time. You had a good Laura Jane Grace one recently yeah. uh, on Twitter. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I Thanks. follow your puns very closely. Thank you. I'm glad someone appreciates yeah. it. <laughs> you should see the ones that don't quite make the cut, because if like I don't think it makes a cut, they're like really I'm like, uh I made a really great one at uh Back to David Bazan, um, I went to see the um, the String Quartet tour. Yes, um, and I'm I, what a show. I'm really uh, well known, especially in the in the Toronto area, as like being the guy that talks too much at Bazan shows. <laughs> um, like he he opens the floor a lot of the times, right. but I take the opportunity, like even really? when he doesn't open the floor, and I went to the back of the room, rolling my fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. eyes. <laughs> uh, and he was, you know, doing this like beautiful string quartet show, and I'm the guy like at the back of the room being like, "When you're doing the, it's hard to find a string quartet record," you know. Like, <laughs> How did yeah. he take that? Uh, he probably rolled his eyes. Is this yeah. after many craft beers? <laughs> yeah, I remember I got to that show late, like I missed the first couple songs, well, yeah. numbers, whatever you want to call them, and yeah, and they he, you know, he asked, he asked the questions thing, Q and A. And I hadn't seen you yet, yeah. but I heard your voice before like, I saw oh, you. Bill. And I was like, oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> just one Bazan show. Can you just shut yeah. up, man? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right. I want to do the alien scenario one more time. <laughs> Remember when the Martians come down? Yeah. Yeah. I want to try it again. Okay. Because I'm curious. I think these guys might have a little more interest than the last person we talked to about this. Okay, okay, so here's the scenario, guys. So you're just chilling there. You're not around each other. This is a separate scenario for each of you, okay? okay? You're sitting there. You see something. You're approached by Martians. They offer you a proposal. The proposal is... This came from my friend Chad, by the way. I got to give him credit. The proposal uh, thanks, is... Chad. You get on this spaceship. Mm-hmm. Fucking dick. Uh, and <laughs> they're going to take you for three years. Okay. You go to Mars, you live with them, you learn their ways, and you're supposed to come back and give the information if you'd like. Pretty cool. Sure. Only rub, you leave right then, can't tell anyone, that's it. And you will reappear in three years. Martian ambassador. Maybe. 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 I mean, you're not certain if they're gonna if right. this proposal is real okay. or if you're going to be studied upon. Uh, you're not certain if you say no, if they're going to go to the next guy. You don't know. But this is your proposal. Do you take it? 
Do you know if they're just going to kill you? You don't know. All you know is that they're coming off in a very warm way. Is this way. Like a metaphor for signing victory records? No. <laughs> you're trusting it implicitly. You're implicitly trusting it for some reason. Yeah. See, this is, it's not good. Because, three years or three albums. No, no, no. Because no, these aliens have no track record. Okay. You jumped into something with a shitty track record. <laughs> these aliens are coming clean. Okay. How cool is Mars, though? Like, do we know how cool Mars no. is? You don't know. You have no idea. Like, it could be really cool or it could be literally like black and white TV up there. Yeah. But you are, again, getting the impression this is kind of cool. Three years? Three years. I think I'd do I, it. I'd go for sure. Yeah. I'd do it. Go. Yep. I think that's, I mean, like, I joke about it being a metaphor for that, but, like, it's kind of like what touring's like. It's like, hey, you just drop your life and go do this thing that, like, you could eat shit or you could be successful, you know? But when you go on tour, your family, friends know you're not dead. If well, you just disappear for three years. Not necessarily when we first started touring. Well, you know? first, yeah, but come on. Be disappear in, be for in three the years. First... You've, you have a wife, you have a girlfriend, you got anyone... Yeah, no, they're moving on. They're Helen hunting from yeah. Castaway, yeah. like hard, you know. So clearly, the last guest you had that wasn't interested wasn't Tom DeLonge. Then no, <laughs> it, was it wasn't. I wish it was. It was actually Buddy Buddy Nielsen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Buddy's he wasn't interested. No, not not he, the slightest. He was like, interested. he's like, fuck the scenario. He's like, I don't want to go to fucking space. Whatever. He just didn't care. Yeah, I don't he know. No I'm interest. interested enough in that shit to say, yeah, yeah, because and, and you would just come back and be like, sorry, guys had to take this opportunity do you guys think aliens i'm asking everybody do you yeah. guys think aliens are real yeah like, there's sure. got to be oh, something yeah. out th- there yeah 100 no not 99 percent. like intel <laughs> like as intelligent as us or more no idea. i just think and, it's people it's it's beings like us that just have more or less technology like we would look like aliens to people yeah sure. like two thousand years ago or two thousand years from now like what would the world look like Absolutely, but, but I think yeah. There's it's so big out there. There's got to be other. There's got to be something else. And going I'm on starting has gotta be. Yeah. to think more and more because of our humans' lack of a symbiotic relationship with the Earth we live on that we might actually be aliens. Yeah, sure, it's possible because I, we clearly don't coexist in a large manner with our surroundings the way you should. I don't right. think. I think we will have contact with aliens within our lifetime. Within our lifetime, yeah. How long are we living? I'm going to say, like, in the next 50 years. Oh, great. I think so. And I saw Neil deGrasse Tyson give this talk recently, and, like, he had this woman who was in charge of photographing Saturn for the last, like, 30 years. Okay. And she said it, and I already thought it, and I was like, these people really know what they're talking about. What did she say about it? She was like, basically what I just said. I'm just basically (laughs) saying what she said. (laughs) And you mean, like, some kind of a transmission? Some kind of transmission, yeah. It's just so massive that there's, like... such a small chance there's nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. But what is massive, right? Like, you're saying it's, like, do you know what I mean? Like, in terms of community, oh, you mean about ha- there has to be something. I mean, just but in the terms scope of, of the universe. You're saying, know. oh, well, we're, people are going to say, oh, well, we're never going to have, be able to visit aliens or whatever because it's too big. Well, there was oh, no, a time no, when the Earth, that. when it was, like, New York to Boston. Sure. Was, like, uh, yeah. you know, and now it's, like, you can get there in yeah. 30 minutes. Yeah, if you went flight, to you know? California... 200 years ago like the half of you would like die on the way exactly yeah. so with that stuff people being like oh universe planet stars are too far away like you never know no no you definitely what about ghosts do you think ghosts are real has, has anyone hard... here ever seen a ghost no and that no. i have a much harder time with because it's like for as much talk 
as there's been about ghosts my entire life and as much study and as much as many things that have attempted to capture a ghost in mm-hmm. any context and there's not one hmm. not one thing that's actually legitimate besides for your own relationship with this site leads me to believe that most paranormal activities for people are induced by the mind. Yeah, right. And I think it's the idea that there's ghosts that even present the possibility that there's ghosts. Okay. Yeah. I think. Jonah? Yeah, I agree. You agree? What do you guys think? I just know people that have seen them that I know aren't crazy. Right. Right. So, but I haven't seen one myself. I feel feel like I've seen some weird shit, but not like a a ghost you know what i mean like a image of a person or like a you know a quick story if we have time sure we were playing a show in salt lake city utah at the avalon theater i think it might have been called that old you know salt lake city's creepy town to begin with it is a creepy town and the 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 stage there was a backstage room we've offended so many cities behind (laughs) behind the behind the stage and we were all hanging out in there it's not not a very big room at all sure only seats maybe like 10, 12 people at the most. So the drummer for It Dies Today, he's like warming up and he's by himself in this room. And there's like a, you know, an old ceiling, like where they have those big rectangular panels, you know? Well, there was one missing. Like an aluminum ceiling? To go, uh, yeah, kind of. I don't know. Um, There's a panel missing in the ceiling. Sure. And I guess that went up to some kind of attic. So he said he was there on his drum pad warming up and kind of out of the corner of his eye, he saw something move. And he looked up and he saw a little girl's face with a, with a white dress. He said he froze, couldn't speak, completely scared, locked eyes with the, with the little girl and the little girl backed away into the darkness and he freaked out, came Whoa. running out of the dressing room, was like hysterical, crying and everything. And so everyone's like, what's going on? What's going on? So our tour manager who, you know, we didn't know the band that well. Like we'd only been on tour with them for a little while. And our tour manager was like asking him about it. So the tour manager asked the, the club manager, um, is there like weird stuff going on? Like like with the, with ghosts or whatever? And the club manager goes, oh, someone saw her? So he knew about it. Uh, and then we were, of course, like the whole, that's all anyone's talking yeah, about the whole sure. night. And mm-hmm. the security people were telling us all these stories and stuff. So, so what's the background? Like, did something happen to a little girl in that building? I don't know. know. I don't know the whole story. But like, I know that that guy's not crazy. Yeah. And that happened. Not It didn't happen like another tour. It was, we were there. And then corroborated by yeah, the right, venue right. itself. So yeah. when I hear those things happening, I'm like, well, there's, there's got to be a chance. Uh. There's something. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And every time I hear a story like that, I get goosebumps. And I'm like, Jesus, maybe all this time I just like logically talked myself out of it because it used to scare me so much when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, like I was one of those people who could seldom like walk into a basement or an attic without that feeling. Right. Like I'd always get that feeling. I remember I had a, a drum space that. It was in a basement, a creepy-ass basement, and I used to get so fucking freaked out down there by myself. Like, I was swore there was something down there to the point that I used to run up the stairs and, like, slam the door when I was done. I'm not a little kid at this point either. I'm in my 20s. And, <laughs> and I swore one day that something grabbed my leg. And, and But I've, like, actively 
tried to convince myself about the wonders of the mind and how I've created all this through paranoia and stories and delusion, even though I used to sit at my drum set and every once in a while stop playing and be like, what? What do you want? <laughs> Just tell me what the fuck you want. If you don't like the music, I'll stop playing it. If you wow. like it, show me and I'll play what you want. I'm like, just show yourself. <laughs> I was kind of like getting to that point. So as sure as I just sounded like about five minutes Dale. ago, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I definitely have questioned it for a long time and sure. just start to convince. I think your little story there just brought me back, brought me I mean, way back yeah, again. I don't know. Into the fear. But I've never seen anything personally. Yeah. You know? and I, I don't know if I want to, especially, right. and you know what the biggest fear about seeing a ghost is? Hmm. Not seeing it, not having to live with it, having other people probably not believe you. Mm, Imagine yeah, totally, that. Totally. Because I say, oh, I, I say, well, I've never seen one, but I know people aren't crazy. Well, they might be crazy. Think about how, much, how judged you'd be for seeing a ghost. Even existentially, it freaks me out. Because I'm yeah. like, oh, shit, now I know there's an afterlife, and that sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. there is an afterlife, but I'm actually stuck in the place I died as an apparition doesn't sound fun that sounds like shit i'd rather be taking a nap forever yeah yeah than that yeah yeah same so the uh the new silverstein single ghost yeah available oh my god that was so not planned available all places that you uh listen to digital music we did that we did that yes check out ghosts you started with aliens and i really worked my little magic there i knew i just knew it was gonna happen that's a master of the human condition like eight steps ahead yeah it's like chess yeah i casper off to you guys sorry i love that verb you want some more tissues there's some over there if you need them okay thank you I w- do you ever have that? I just woke up today just feeling so stuffed up and shitty, and it came out of nowhere. And it's called a cold. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> um, yes, I get every cold. I have kids. Yeah. They all, they harvest them and bring them home. All right. Thanks to Billy and Shane for coming by. Uh, check out Silverstein on the Warp Tour this summer. Um, and check out Shane's podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. He gets a lot of great guests. A lot of guests we've had on this podcast. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, and a lot of guests we haven't had on this we've podcast. We've had a few lead singers. We've had a few. He's a lead singer, so he, he understands the syndrome. <laughs> Are you familiar with that, Brad? Uh, well, I used to call it LSD. Oh, yeah? Lead singer disorder. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Everybody knows about it. There's also, you know, bass player disorder, drummer <laughs> I started it. I did start, um, you know, back when I was playing in bands, I did start, um, uh, mad musicians abused by drummers. <laughs> it was an organization of musicians <laughs> and singers. <laughs> yeah. A support group as it were. <laughs> Is that still going strong? Nah, I don't have to deal with it anymore. <laughs> All right, well, if you want to find out more about MAD, <laughs> musicians abused by drummers, tweet a Brad. Sure, I'll be happy to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it seems like people can be really interested in that. Uh, and yeah. we should probably just say thanks to Converse for oh, yeah. the long run at Rubber Tracks. It was a great experience all around, and uh, 
was a great place to do this podcast every week. It was. And Converse, if you decide to build another studio in Brooklyn and you want someone to do a podcast there. Yeah, maybe that'll give you some incentive to get it going. Yeah. We could bring. We could come back. We could come back. In the, the meantime, right incentive. we have a new studio we've been using that we'll be announcing next week. Um, so don't worry. Just because the rubber tracks... 10 years done does not mean the podcast is going away. We actually have a bunch of new podcasts oh, yeah. we've recorded. We have a new home and it's great. And it it's is going great. very well. Yeah. So you'll find out more about that next week. Um, in the meantime, you know, uh, check out Silverstein. Like I said, the summer on the warp tour, if you want to support this podcast, you can Venmo to off track. Um, Brad's <laughs> name will pop up and you can also, uh, leave us a good review on iTunes, tweet at us, say hi to us. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast. Um, we really appreciate that. And yeah, we'll be back next week with our first podcast from our new home. So it's very exciting. End of an era, though. Yeah. It's all good. All good. Okay. No more free shoes. No more free shoes. <laughs> That's a bummer. I, I have yet to buy a pair of shoes in the last five years, and I know it's coming soon. I'm waiting till all my Converse literally disintegrate. I, I have yet to buy uh, coffee. I'm still going through my giant bag of Stumptown that I That's got great. from Rubber Tracks. So shout out to Stumptown. Thank you guys uh, for hooking us up over there, keeping us awake. Yeah. Yeah, a five-pound bag of pop of coffee on your own. That I had one for a while. It's almost gone. It takes a long time. <laughs> That's like a six-month <laughs> run. But yeah, it's going to go eventually. Uh, everyone's going to die. The world's going to end. The sun's going to burn out. We'll be back next week, though, unless any of that stuff happens. <laughs>